0: M-S-W-Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, July 28th, 2022. Today, Cassidy Hutchinson is cooperating with the Department of Justice. Assistant U.S. Attorney Thomas Wyndham has obtained a search warrant for John Eastman's phone. The Justice Department has asked a federal judge to reject a delay in the Oath Keepers trial. And Mick Mulvaney will testify before the January 6th committee today. I'm Allison Gill.
1: And for the second nine in a row on limited engagement, I'm Pete Struck. He'll be here all week, everybody. <laughs> Pete Stroud. <laughs> just just I've, a couple I've of days. I've upgraded. Ago. I had white wine last night. Tonight I have gin. It's only going to get better. So let's, let's go. Ah, let's go.
0: Excellent. Well, we got a motherfucker out of you in the first three minutes of, of <laughs> Yeah, I got to dial
1: so. that back. I like, used all my good material on the first night. So go back there.
0: <laughs> Now, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> so the DOJ news seems to be coming fast and furious now. This is kind of sort of exactly how it happened with the Mueller investigation too. It was like quiet, 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 quiet and then those Manafort gates indictments hit and then the news didn't stop coming for for a year and a half. Also, here's something cool. I've been asking for I'm like, "Hey, Dems, to get a get a W, to put a tick in the W column between now and the midterms, why don't you just do it? You got like 3 budget reconciliations left. Why don't you just put together a budget reconciliation?" Bring Mansion into the White House and say, "What will you give us on a budget reconciliation?" and see what he see what he says. And uh, as it turns out, Schumer and Mansion have reached a deal, and so that is good to me for the Biden agenda. If you're you know a Biden person uh, or a Democrat, and it's good for the midterms too, I think. And this is going to be uh, what taxes, energy, health care, um, increasing subsidies for the Affordable Care Act, increasing the corporate tax to fifteen percent. So this is a very good thing. Climate, energy. I'm interested to see how far he goes on the energy thing since he's pretty much bought and owned by coal. But we'll see where it goes. And also we'll see what cinema has to say about it, because, you know, she was actually I read surprised by this news today. So that's what uh, breaking news is is happening uh, at the moment before we get to the hot notes.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, everybody who complains about Democrats being in disarray, I think this pretty clearly demonstrates that they're in array. And it's a good thing. I don't know. I mean, it's it's sad to say that on the one hand, I think what is extraordinarily good for our country is not necessarily the best message for the midterms, which in my mind is reproductive rights, the Supreme Court and Trump, and repeat those three things over and over and over and over 24 seven until the election. But we'll see. And, I, and I, guns. And guns. And even, uh, true, I mean, you can, you can sprinkle guns on top of all that. But I mean, no doubt it's good. And I think as far as hearing things, I expect, you know, when you're doing investigations, there are many things that when you do them, you expect it's going to become public. You know, if you bring people like Mark Short, as you know, we talked about last night, into the grand jury, there's some level of expectation as an investigator that either they or their attorney are going to run to the press. start talking, trying to spin it, you tend to create this big bucket of things that you know, when you do it, all the things you're doing are going to become public and you sort of like postpone that, right? That's your your bucket of things to do when all this becomes, you know, sort of out about what we're doing and how high we are. So I would expect that DOJ has been doing many things that they know they can do behind the scenes. You know, they can go subpoena Verizon. They can go ask uh, the National Archives for records. They can do that without anybody knowing about it. But when you get to this point where suddenly things are very overt, they tend to come out in big waves of various things. So I I expect there will be more things to come soon. And I know, you know, they're, they're, we'll talk about it a little bit, I guess, the uh, um, some search warrant activity on the Eastman front. But I, I don't think this is, I think this is the beginning of a new sort of phase of things that DOJ is doing. And I'm frankly, really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, me too. And we do have a lot of new Department of Justice news that came out today as part of this uh, wave that we're in. So let's talk about it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. (laughs) So Department of Justice, via Assistant U.S. Attorney Thomas Windham, who I I have, I have like a personal dossier on this guy. I love this guy. This says in a court filing, Department of Justice filed a court thing in court that it has obtained a second search warrant to search John Eastman's phone and is implementing, quote, filter protocol to ensure privileged material isn't accessed. The two page court filing reads in brief on July 8, 2022, Eastman filed an amended motion for return of seized property. He wanted his phone back and he said, you violated everything. Uh, give me my phone back on July 15th, a week later. The court entered an order denying the plaintiff's motion for a temporary restraining order and setting a further briefing schedule on the remainder of his motion. In that order, the court required the government, quote, to provide notice to the court no later than Wednesday, July 27th, that's today, on the location of the phone and information on whether the investigative team has applied for a second warrant. Well, guess what? The United States is in possession of plaintiff's cell phone as well as a manual screen capture of certain contents of the device obtained by an agent not associated with the investigation team. Plaintiff's cell phone and manual screen capture currently are in North Virginia in the possession of federal agents with the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General. And Pete, I can't help but wonder, looking at that language, we were we were trying to game out, like, why did they send the Inspector General? Is he still doing his January 25th, 2021 Uh, You know, investigation into, you know, stuff that went on in the in the uh, DOJ with former DOJ officials. But what it looks like is they're trying to put sort of a buffer zone between them and this evidence so that it's got now a more, I don't know, insulated chain of custody going through multiple steps before it actually gets to prosecutors so that when they cry, oh, you know, they're, they're out to get me, they're out to get me. It's like, not only did we not just seize your phone like we could have or go around to 2703 and get the shit without, you know, whatever. We actually sent a different organization not affiliated with the, the investigative team to get it and then got a second warrant to, to obtain the information. And now we're going to do a filter protocol because that's what it goes on to say on July 12th. A federal agent obtained a second federal search warrant from the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia that authorizes review of the contents of the plaintiff's cell phone and the manual screen capture. The warrant includes a filter protocol, which has been provided to the plaintiff's lawyer. So, Pete, weren't we just talking about this yesterday with regard to uh, Victoria Tonesing and Rudy Giuliani's phone? Like, they got it in the Ukraine search and then they could apply for another warrant to get the stuff. But here, it just seems like they're they're taking that extra step to insulate themselves. But again, I'm guessing, I'm speculating.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, this is a little different from Rudy and uh, Victoria in that those were seized, it looks like, in the context of a completely separate investigation. This, it's hard to say. I mean, there's, you know, again, we are speculating because we're on the outside, but I think it is, when you look, one, where this was seized, I think it was out in Arizona, I don't know which district, or if there's only one district... It not clear to me New because they haven't put anywhere unsealed the actual warrant whether they're, they're two different things right you can get a warrant to see something and you get a warrant to search something and they usually come together like i'm going to come search your house and i'm going to seize things and whatever is defined in the warrant you know all business records all computer media i have an ability and it's laid out and you know attachment a to the to the warrant lists the things that are authorized to be seized And it also specifies what you're able to look for. It's possible in this case that this was only a seizure warrant. In other words, that it gave the agents the authority simply to take the cell phone, but not to look at it at all. And we don't know that because nothing, again, that I've seen in the public docket has been filed. And it's also possible, exactly what you said, on the one hand, because the IG is conducting sort of an administrative overview, are they doing that and also using them in the context of They don't want to get this material prematurely in the hands of investigators before it goes through a privilege review, whether that's agents and attorneys within DOJ, whether it's a special master, like a a retired judge or something. But is this an effort to sort of isolate that? And what's really important is when they seized it from Eastman, and you can see it in the warrant, they compelled him to essentially, it was locked, but they held it up, it looks like to his face to unlock it. And then once unlocked, they recorded the contents, some of the contents. Now. As an investigator, first thing I'm looking for is you know encrypted applications, like you know, go to Signal, open up Signal, are conversations there, take screenshots of all that so that I preserve that material from the unlocked phone. That then later, what it looks like now, and again, Wyndham, by the way, I pulled up my favorite favorite quote that I'm aware about in the New York Times about Wyndham, it comes from a New York Times article quoting Miriam Sadiq, a criminal defense lawyer in Maryland, who opposed Mr. Wyndham in two fraud cases, said he was personable but quote-unquote inflexible adversary who sought sentences that, in her view, were unduly harsh and punitive. But, Ms. Sadiq said she thought he was well-suited to do his new job, quote, if you're going to be a bastard, be a bastard in defense of democracy, she said in an interview. So that, I hope, is uh, exactly who Mr. Wyndham is. I don't know him, but I thought I I was encouraged reading those. But to your point, you know, clearly this is something that Wyndham, has put his name to this filing. It is clear that the investigation he is doing into January 6th are the people who sought this warrant way back, you know, July 12th. So what is that? They have two, two plus weeks ago. And so that they've presumably had that material. They're using those uh, filter team to go through and get all the privileged communications out and they're diving into that information. So I take that all as a productive yeah. sign of the, pr- the investigation moving forward.
0: And I think that in the DOJ's reply to his motion to get his phone back, I want my phone back. You messed up my fourth and fifth and sixth and first amendment rights or whatever. In that response to his filing motion for a protective order and to get his property back, DOJ said we haven't seen any of it. There was a a, a bit of reporting on uh, you know people who were following the court filing that they actually the Office of Inspector General didn't look at any of the stuff and said to the court. We'll inform you about a second warrant. And the court said, let us know by today. And they got it. And, they, and that's what they're doing. So, but there's, there's more going on with some trial delays, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the Justice Department on Tuesday urged a federal judge to reject efforts by leaders of the Oath Keepers, several of whom are facing seditious conspiracy charges for their roles in the January 6th attack on the Capitol, to delay their September trial. Oathkeepers Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes and several other members of the group charged with orchestrating an effort to breach the Capitol and stockpiling heavy weaponry at a nearby hotel or hotels recently moved to postpone the trial, citing the publicity caused by the January 6th select committee's recent hearings. They also noted the House committee is likely to release hundreds of witness transcripts as soon as soon as September, some of which could contain relevant evidence. The Justice Department recently agreed to postpone the high-profile January 6 trial of several Proud Boy leaders who also face seditious conspiracy charges citing uncertainty and publicity caused by the select committee's work. But, prosecutors said the Oath Keepers are situated differently. Very little of the testimony that's come out during the January 6 committee hearings has referenced them, prosecutors argued, and the uncertainty of the select committee's work is not a reason to postpone the trial indefinitely. Hmm. Quote, Whether and when the select committee releases witness transcripts remains outside the control of the parties in this case, and the court should not continue the trial based on speculation about whether and when such transcripts may become available, Assistant U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Nestler wrote in a 15-page filing. Now, a second group of Oath Keepers, members of which face obstruction charges but not the seditious conspiracy charges, is slated to face trial in early 2023. Now the reason this is important is all these folks share in some cases a group of attorneys of various uh, levels of competence. And the matter is now awaiting a ruling from U.S. District Court Judge Amit Mehta in the sight of how intent the department is on pushing forward with the Oath Keepers trial currently slated to begin on September 26, two months away, less than two months away. Prosecutors said they were preparing to recommend that another federal judge U.S. District Court Judge Trevor McFadden reshuffle his own high profile January 6 trial slated for early October so that all of the Oathkeeper's attorneys could be free.
0: That's interesting. Emmett Mehta and Trevor McFadden are two very different uh, judges,
1: by the way. <laughs> you know, I think there is certainly uh, a disparity of views on the district of the District of Columbia bench. Um, <laughs> There there are one or two outliers that I think when you look at a number of rulings, there are a huge chunk of judges that have kind of unanimously looked at the conduct, particularly the serious conduct, the seditious conspiracy, the 1512 counts in the same way, um, you know, with one exception. But it is what it is. There, there are so many cases. Every judge is going to have a number of them in D.C. And, you know, that's that's the way our judicial system works. So we'll see how that all shakes out.
0: Yeah. And I think that the government brings up a good point here because the the extremist group that was focused on during the hearings was the Proud Boys. It wasn't the Oath Keepers. They weren't talked about very much. And so, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with what uh, the Department of Justice is putting down here. I don't think that a delay in the trial. And I, I really like that they said, look, we, you can't delay trial on speculation on when we're going to get evidence. You know, it's, it's not Brady material until we have it. So <laughs> you can't, you know, you, you, that's that speculation is it as far as this goes. But we'll see what uh, Trevor has to say about it. Actually, I think this is uh, Amit Mehta who's going to decide that. But uh, and again, very different judge. Also, Pete, Cassidy Hutchinson, former top advisor to Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has recently cooperated with the Department of Justice, not the committee, the Department of Justice, into the events of January 6th. And that's according to sources familiar, probably her. The Justice Department has reached out to her following her testimony a month ago before the House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol attack. And that sort of kind of shores up that reporting that the DOJ, I wouldn't use the word blindsided, but was surprised by her testimony and reached out to her, according to this these sources at least, after following her testimony. The extent of her cooperation isn't immediately clear. And per usual, Pete, I have a theory. Remember when there was reporting? That, you know, that that blindside reporting, it was from two anonymous sources. And and I had kind of asked you, like, who does that at the DOJ? Who tells people that makes you look stupid? Well, I think and again, this is speculation. They were probably blindsided by those phone calls she received that could have been seen as witness tampering. But of course, the entirety of her testimony would be helpful in a criminal probe that sees Trump as a target. The existence of which is likely, but not technically confirmed. I guess, and I imagine she would also be key to getting some conversations with Meadows on the record with the grand jury when and if she appears. And um, you know, Carol Lennig said today that multiple former federal prosecutors, or former DOJ employees, have told her that Hutchinson would make a quote exquisite trial witness. And and I was wondering, you know, you've done a lot of these cases. Would you want?
1: Cassie Hutchinson on your on your witness list. Well, based on what I've seen, absolutely. I mean, you you don't know what's in a person's you know if they're going to testify in trial. You got to dig into their background and if there's anything that you know might impeach their credibility or you know if that has to be turned over. But not knowing that simply based on what I saw at the January sixth hearing, absolutely. I mean, she was straightforward. She was precise. Most importantly, if there was something she didn't know, she said she didn't know. She didn't you know reach or appear to. Try to be saying things that the questioner wanted to hear, and was you know detailed and thoughtful. And I thought is a great witness. So you know all of the things being equal, yeah, absolutely, I think she's a great witness. As far as theories, I I think I tend to agree with your latter idea more than the former. I, in terms of what she was saying and said with Mark Meadows and the conversations there, it's it is when you're on the outside of a system, when you're looking at somebody, you know, yes, Trump is a major player. And you have all these supporting the Ivankas and the Jareds and the Mark Meadows and the people who Sean Hannity that you can see from the outside are talking to him and influencing him. But from the outside, what you don't know is that what that ecosystem is at that lower level, like who is or are the people that Jared and Ivanka are confiding to? Who are the people that Mark Meadows are confiding to? And that's much harder to tell. And if I were to guess on what really surprised DOJ, it was the level of information she had about Mark Meadows. And I said yesterday, I'll say it again today. Mark Meadows is the linchpin. If I were to pick one cooperator, if I were to try and build a case to go after somebody to get them to flip or face 20 plus years in jail, it's Mark Meadows because he can illuminate the entire enterprise.
0: And he's facing the same, he would be facing serious criminal charges, um, the same kind of criminal charges. Like, Cipollone not really facing any criminal charges. So he's not a, somebody you would get to flip. Right. You want to get somebody to flip that you got a really good deal of leverage against. And the fact that he knew that the fraudulent electors thing was illegal, went along with it anyway uh, and, it, you know, kind of went forward with all this and didn't try to stop Trump on the day with the attack. I mean, he's criminally culpable far more than some of these other friendlier witnesses have been.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, Cipoloni was the guy they all ran away from. It's like hide from Pat because we don't want, you know, Patsy Baloney coming in and and ruining our good coup time. Um, But again, you know, what struck me is like Cass, you know, and it was the most aggravating thing. Aggravating is a, a kind word for what I felt. When she's sitting there trying to get Meadow's attention, and he's essentially curled up with his phone playing Candy Crush, ignoring the rest of the insurrection that's going down and unwilling and or unable to go tell Trump to do something. You know, those are the sorts of details because again, she witnessed that. This isn't hearsay. This isn't, you know, oh, I heard from Tony Ornato that there was a fight in the SUV. This is her saying, I talked to Meadows and Meadows said this. Meadows didn't do that. So, that's firsthand testimony. It is admissible in in the sense that it's not hearsay. And again, I think both based on what we saw in terms of her intellect, her composure, would be an extraordinary witness. But the most important thing is her access makes her an extraordinary witness. So I'm glad she's cooperating. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, again, glad and I expect they will interview her at length and then get her into the grand jury and get that stuff memorialized. But again, a, a a good example of things the January 6th committee did that DOJ might not have otherwise known about for a long time that provides them investigative avenues that may be very, very fruitful.
0: Yeah, agreed. And and just as um we have said, and Lawrence Tribe has said, hey, you know, they've got stuff we want, we have stuff they want, you know, we have to sit down and make a deal. And last but not least, you have a story about my favorite Ark of the Covenant melting Nazi, uh, Mick Mulvaney. <laughs> what what do you got?
1: <laughs> yeah, all of these, these people trying to re-chrome themselves into bastions of defending the Constitution of the United States. So Former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney is scheduled to testify Thursday, tomorrow, before the House committee investigating the January 6th assault on the Capitol. Mulvaney, who joined CBS News, along with notable people like Katherine Herridge and others, as a contributor earlier this year, had already left the Trump White House by January 6, 2021. Mulvaney was ousted by Trump from his chief of staff role in March 2020. And Mulvaney resigned from his subsequent post as the special envoy to Northern Ireland following the Capitol riot. You
0: know what's really fun is that when I was ousted from my government job... Did
1: did you go to Northern Ireland?
0: No, but you know how... Did you
1: go to Northern Virginia?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was supposed to. Mick Mulvaney, you know, had said, hey, I found this great new way to get rid of people that we don't like. It's move their jobs across the country, which is what they did to me. And I was finally removed from my job. In March of 2020, same time he was. So ha 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 ha, karma's a bitch. <laughs>
1: he's like, I was going to say, he's like, he's like your spirit brother in a sense of things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Mulvaney told CBS News that he believes Cassidy Hutchinson and other top former Trump officials who have testified about him before the panel. She's a lifelong Republican, Mulvaney said of Hutchinson on the takeout. Quote, she worked for Ted Cruz. She worked for Steve Scalise. She was in the White House for four years. There's no reason for her to lie, unquote. (laughs) Following which Mulvaney said that's perhaps the worst endorsement I possibly could have come (laughs) up with to say on the takeout. Anyway, after the Capitol attack, Mulvaney told CNBC he couldn't, quote, stay here, not after yesterday, unquote.
0: Yeah, after the And interesting. He was March 2020. Northern Ireland. Okay. Whatever you say, Mick, that's cool. He's, you know, you can kind of tell he's not one of my favorite people. (laughs) So Pete, it seems that the January 6th committee is still head down going full bore, um, investigating. So um, I'm excited to see what they come up with in September.
1: Yeah. Same here. I mean, I think I, I I'm of two minds about what they're doing. On the one hand, it's clear that they're focusing on Trump. And I think that's important because, you know, one, they're not I mean, they're investigating, but they're investigating for a political and historical reason different from DOJ that is, you know, as we've talked about, kind of going from the bottom up. But I do have some concern. They are so focused on Trump. Are there other people who DOJ may or may not ever get to and that only somebody like a congressional committee can identify and talk about? And so, you know, I'm thinking of any any number of people associated with all these groups with the... Not so much the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, but the you know the First Amendment Praetorian, the you know all the QAnon figures, how they yeah. right, how how they played into the whole narrative. Of course, if you're the committee and you're trying to get the biggest bang for your buck, it's appropriate to focus on Trump because that is critically what's important. That is what is driving public opinion, whether that is public opinion about whether or not Trump should be a candidate for any office in the United States ever again, but two also driving public opinion that would support or not support whatever DOJ might do. So, you know, on the one hand, it's reasonable in my mind for them to be putting so much focus on Trump. On the other hand, I worry there is so much involved with this Mm -hmm. that DOJ is never going to get to that you worry what the things are that end up on the cutting room floor.
0: Yeah. And it's almost like because of the scope of it, something is going to have to end up on the cutting room floor. But yeah, and, and to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, I agree with everything that you just said. Plus, the focus on Trump is to convince the American people that the world won't end if you indict Donald Trump. And the polls are bearing that out. It's, it's quite astonishing in the latest Ipsos poll. 55% of Republicans say that he had something to do with the attack on the Capitol or bears some responsibility. Uh, Republicans, no, that's, that blows my mind, right? You, you're basically just left with that small you know, 31% of Republican voters, 19% of the, you know, the population that still support this guy. So I think that that is truly important. We didn't have that for the release of the Mueller report. We weren't able to prime the United States to be ready to go after him for obstruction of justice. So I, I think that this is a, that that's another key role that the committee plays is to just make sure, change hearts and minds of Americans to make sure, because Lester Holt was like, are you afraid America will blow up into tiny bits if you, you know, if you if you indict Trump? And um, of course, it was everything for Merrick Garland not to say, like you said, motherfucker, do, do they speak English in what? like?
1: <laughs> I, I, I see what you're trying to do, and I'm not going to be led into a trap to swear. But, but, but it's uh, but Democrats. <laughs> Democrats fucking think too hard. Take a page out of the Republican Party. Have a simple message that you repeat again and again and again. And it was forever Benghazi and Hillary's emails again and again. and we all knew it was BS, but it kept going because you know what? It sways public opinion. Well, guess what? Yeah, and I think that's why they're focusing yeah, on Trump. The Democrats that's have the a things. both a good message, a simple message that also has the benefit of being true. that wasn't the case with all this other <laughs> stuff. And that is Trump tried to lead an insurrection. He did lead an insurrection again. Sprinkle on top (laughs) just decimating women's reproductive rights, sprinkle on top how easy it is to go buy an assault weapon, and just repeat those three simple messages again and again and again until November. And, you know, this polling shows that works. It's not rocket science. You're not teaching a class to some constitutional law class at, you know, uh, an esteemed law school somewhere. You're speaking to the American people. Keep it passionate, keep it simple, and just repeat it for the next what four months five months right
0: yeah instead of uh it's the economy stupid we should just change it to it's repetition stupid just repeat 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 i agree we have uh, a very awesome good news segment that you and i are going to get to but we need to take a quick break first so everybody uh stick around we'll be right back Hey, everybody, it's AG. Falling asleep and staying asleep used to be really tough for me, you know, anxiety, PTSD. But it also turns out I was sleeping on a garbage mattress. But that's when Helix Sleep made the hugest difference in my life. They have a sleep quiz online, takes two minutes to complete. that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way that you sleep. Everybody's unique, and Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium firm beds, beds that cool you down if you sleep hot, spinal alignment mattresses. They have a Helix Plus for plus size sleepers. But when I took the quiz, they matched me with the Helix Midnight because I prefer a medium firm mattress and I sleep on my side. So it's perfect for me. So head to helixsleep.com slash take their two minute sleep quiz, order your mattress customized and start having the best sleep of your life. There's free shipping. You get to try it out for a hundred sleeps without risk. They'll pick it up and give you a full refund if you don't love it, but you will. You'll also get a 10-year warranty, and they have financing options. I mean, it's so easy. It's a no-brainer. And Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine, and they've been recommended by multiple doctors of sleep medicine. Leading doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows, in case you're still sleeping on a my pillow guy pillow. You can get two free pillows with good. When you go to helixsleep.com slash daily beans, again, that's Helix Sleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash daily beans for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. <laughs> Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, anything you want to send, Halloween photos, pet photos, if if you can't pay the, the pet tax, you can send me a photo of an adoptable, adoptable baby puppy or kitty in your area. We would love to know about it. You can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. First up, Pete, Bob has a correction. I love the show. Respect to the podcasters. I find you to be the most intelligent, articulate women. Oh, thank you. However, it drives me nuts when I hear you use the one word term regards. You heard me correct myself earlier, Pete. I say with regards to, and it's supposed to be with regard to. In most cases, and almost always in one speech, would you please use the singular regard as with respect to or regarding, unless you are, in fact, sending your best wishes. I do, in fact, hold your programs in the highest regard. They are one of the highlights of my day. Please do not stop trying to save democracy. Love you, folks. Thank you, Bob. Uh, And I I, I tried. I did it today. I corrected myself. And now I see this correction. Thank you very much for that.
1: Excellent. And we have from Jonathan, he, him. At the risk of being an attention seeker, here is a pic of my transgender son, Quinn, helping us to register over 1,000 newly sworn United States citizens to vote on the third anniversary of his legal name and gender marker change in Texas. He was out in the 106 degree heat, helping new citizens with their forms for eight hours. What a better way to piss off Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton than getting people of color fired up to kick his ass out of office. (laughs) For scale, I'm including a pic of Redneck Gandalf, me, and a new pic of Dole atop Fort Kickass, hiding from the devastating heat brought on by man-made climate change. He, no doubt, aided Mm -hmm. by the Texas power grid, which uh, Abbott and others (laughs) have so wonderfully regulated into a non-functioning state. Look, I I cannot, Jonathan, I cannot give you kudos enough for getting out and registering people. I, I can't tell you how many times when I and others get out and sound the alarm about what we're facing coming up and people throw up their hands and say, what can we do? What you can do is exactly what you're doing. Get out. Yes. Get people to register. I don't care if it is talking to your neighbors, your family, who it is, registering people to vote, getting the vote to represent the actual pers- the, the sentiment of our nation is absolutely critical. And starting with the midterms, which are months away. So, you know, kudos to you and your, your family. I just, you know, can't, can't praise you enough for, you know, what, a thousand? newly sworn U.S. citizens, and what a wonderful way to sort of enter into our magnificent democracy than to sit down and register to what makes our democracy what it is. So, you know, good for you and proud of you.
0: And these are great photos. Is it Dole or D-Hole? Here he is, the kitty up on on the kitty tree. So cute. And there they are registering voters, new citizens. That's so amazing. And there's Gandalf. Okay, I can see it now. (laughs) I can see it now. Thank you so much for that submission. Next up from Christina Pronoun, she and her. I'm a full-time worker and a full-time student working towards a bachelor's of science. On top of that, I've spent the past year taking an additional course in order to prepare for a major exam for a state certification that would help me advance my career. Two weekends ago, I took the exam. I was so anxious about it that I was experiencing physical symptoms in the days leading up to it. I fainted in public. It was embarrassing. My good news, I passed. I am now certified as a CBO, Chief Business Officer in the state of California. The CBO title is the equivalent of being a CFO, but it's uh, for school district finance instead of corporate finance. This certification is a big deal in my field and a huge step towards my professional future. Thank you, Beans Queens, for helping me stay sane through all of the sleeplessness, stress, and studying. For pet tax, I give you my three cats. Dude, the long-haired tuxedo kitty. Do not pet his belly. It's a trap. <laughs> Lilu, Dallas, the gray and white kitty. She is the supreme being. Oh, yes, she is. And Anara, pronounced Inora, our house panther. Look at these babies. Yeah. Oh, that Tuxie! Don't pet the belly. It's a trap.
1: Yeah, and Lilu Dallas, who is sitting in the middle of a puzzle, because they understand that's the most important thing for you at the moment. And they're going to insert themselves right in the middle of it in spectacular He's cat helping. fashion. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, or uh, she's helping. Lilu's helping. Thank you for that submission.
1: So this is from A. She, her. Hi, ladies. I wanted to give you an update on my blended family from Atlanta. Last time I updated you was shortly after my husband and I had just gotten married. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary in June. Congratulations. And I'm happy to say that our two now 10-year-old kiddos are still enjoying one another as as bonus siblings and keeping us on our toes. I could go on and on about our family's good news. We bought a house in May, we're growing an awesome garden, etc. But the biggest good news I have is that while I started to have some health problems over the last year, I was able to schedule surgery for the summer. Teachers tend to do most self-care in the summer, I find. (laughs) My surgeon successfully used laparoscopic methods and took out a cyst that was much larger than it had appeared on ultrasound. Still, even with both a familial and personal history of cancer, This particular tumor was not cancer. I'm now completely healed up and recovering well. It's a huge relief and I'm excited to go into my new school year in fighting trim. I've included some family pictures because I have cute kids, LOL. For pet tax, I'm submitting a few pics of our newest rescue cat, Harley. The sweet baby is hugely patient with both kiddos and is a beloved member of the family. He still can't sleep in my bed or my son since we were allergic, but my daughter is happy to take that duty on. Thanks for all you do to keep us informed. I think that this year we may finally see some justice for the travesty of January 6th. And I enjoy having you ladies tell me all about it. Best to you both and keep your chins up. You know, that's wonderful. And one, congratulations on a non-cancer cyst removal and diagnosis. And two, uh, I, I agree with you. I do think this is the year we may start to see some justice for January 6th. And uh, let's look at these photos of yeah. And light, I she, beautiful, i beautiful, beautiful children. The
0: children are adorable. Absolutely. And as is the kitty. Look at that. I've never seen a dark gray tabby like that. That's beautiful coloring. Yeah, absolutely. Look at these kids. They're so cute. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sending that in. I love that. Next up from Andre's pronoun she, her. I have two things I want to share. First, a shit adults say. Okay, so Pete, we have a shit kids say, but we also like shit your parents say or shit adults say. I was sitting in a restaurant with my daughter and a 13-year-old granddaughter trying to ask my granddaughter how to change my profile on social media since I wanted to add my pronouns. Somehow it came out, how do I change my protons? (laughs) We laughed, cried so long and loudly that I'm sure the other patrons thought we were high. Second is a follow-up to the What the Mutt about Sammy, the Anatolian Shepherd. My late husband and I had got a goat farm in East Tennessee for eleven years. We had a goat farm. We leased the goats to clear kudzu and other invasives, mostly for the city of Knoxville and Tennessee Clean Water Initiative. Okay. Oh, we, we leased the goats to clear right. kudzu and exactly. other invasives. He did, he did. Okay. Right. Now while goats were on the site, they needed a guard dog for protection from predators, human and otherwise. We adopted Duke, the local Anatolian Shepherd, a local Anatolian, not the. He's he's the local <laughs> Anatolian Shepherd. With the intention of breeding him with a purebred Turkish Kangal, pronounced K and angle, Kangal, A breed similar to, but distinct from the Anatolian. Unfortunately, the species is tightly controlled and most breeders will only sell if you promise to have it neutered. Yeah, I've I've seen this a lot, like neuter it or we're in charge of their junk. Hmm. Uh, We ended up purchasing a young female all the way from Washington state. She arrived at the Knoxville airport, hungry, thirsty, confused, and terrified. But with lots of love and other sustenance, she grew into a beautiful, muscular, fiercely protective goat companion, and she and Duke became great friends. We once watched Duke bark and growl to distract a copperhead in the pasture while she leapt at it from behind and dispatched it. Whoa, that's fucking teamwork. Emma and Duke have uh, two litters of adorable, gorgeous, roly-boly pups who were eventually snapped up by folks who drove as far away from, as from Ohio. I am attaching a picture of Duke introducing himself to Emma on their first date. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't guess what this is. I haven't seen it yet. Second pick is the puppies mobbing our neighbor's daughter. I love puppy photos and daughter photos. Thank you. And the third is one of the older puppies ready for adoption. It was really hard to give them up. Thank you so much for being a beacon of hope and kindness in these dark times. Allison, your sensible take on the news grounds me in a way that nothing else does. And Dana, you're an inspiration and so damn funny.
1: Up. <laughs> oh that's, <laughs> there that's it is. great you know hungry <laughs> thirsty confused and terrified is the way most of us emerged from the trump presidency so i i empathize i empathize with uh your dog and they're spectacularly they, it looks yeah. like
0: and then we go around and sniff each other's butts yeah well so. so who
1: well i guess who is introducing who there who there they've got a uh
0: look at the puppy
1: oh, the puppies are gorgeous Is the <gasps> little, little young one who's playing with them Oh they're i was expecting a very different sort of uh dog i don't know what like more of a sheepdog i guess but these are more of a a lab sort of uh almost a a husky 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 i'd never seen it yeah Uh, because sammy
0: had sent him in and he's like all right let's play what the mutt you'll never guess and you're like you're right i don't know what the fuck these are i thought i like are they wheat and terriers mixed with boxers and golden retreat like i couldn't i couldn't tell but they're so beautiful
1: And so, the last one, and I laughed when I first saw this, is Jennifer from Boston, she, her. (laughs) In yesterday's podcast, Peter Strzok said, coup plotting several times, I heard couponing. Boston went through my head before I figured it out, the DOJ is investigating couponing? what in the hell? Thanks for the laugh. <laughs> yeah, and, know. We're and, and, and Jennifer, I've decided if I ever do a podcast, it will be couponing with Patsy Baloney. And I think that's just the the, the, <laughs> way, the best way to do it. But seriously, Jennifer, you are a beacon of hope to the before times. The, the reason you heard couponing is because never before in our country have we ever had to talk about coup plotting in the context of U.S. politics. Yep. That thanks to Donald J. Trump, we are talking about that now, it seems like on a daily basis. But uh I, but your your sentiment, what you heard, I hold up like some Norman Rockwell painting that one day we may return to a stage we we are and here couponing, and that is the kind of most, <laughs>
0: and that's the news <laughs> of the day, right? Yeah, like when I was a kid, there's the uh, "Goody Two Shoes" song by Adam Ant, and there's, there's a lyric in it: "Subtle innuendos follow." Uh, must be something inside. And I'm I'm five. I don't, I don't know what a subtle innuendo is, nor have I ever heard that phrase. Right. So I thought it was something about tostadas, like something innuendo tostada. Because, you know, that's what we had on Tuesdays and the lunchroom. But, you know, I, so that was one of my favorite, like a misheard song lyric because of innocent ears, not being able to process the thought of a subtle innuendo. So. That's kind of how I see coup- couponing and coup plotting. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, and I also would think a, a good podcast for you would be, I think you said it earlier in the show, it's Patsy Baloney's coup time. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, don't let Patsy Bologna in here and mess up our coup time. Uh, so that's couponing for sure. That's what they were doing in the White House on December 18th. open coupons. Anyway, that is the show. Thank you so much for these last couple of days, uh, Pete. It's been really, really great yeah. to have you. As a co-host, um, uh, it's fun to get you to swear and, uh, you know, just just hanging out with probably the best Russian spy hunter on the planet is like just it's some cool shit, man. So I appreciate it.
1: No, yeah, pleasure is on by It was a blast. And uh, thank you for having me on. This was fantastic.
0: Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, fully get to the gin?
1: No, I, I'm looking forward to I am I am taking heart that all the things that everybody has said about give DOJ time, give DOJ time. Having given DOJ time, I think we are starting to see things that will increasingly show what they are doing and that they're moving up the chain. And so, you know, yeah. And you know what?
0: Is, it always I blew think. my mind, too, with with your investigation with the, with the Mueller probe is that, you know, we're like it doesn't seem like they're doing much. It doesn't seem like they're doing much. And then an indictment would come out. And the detail in those speaking indictments, and what they had to get and the evidence they had to go through and how they even got a hold of it. WhatsApp messages from everywhere. That kind of granular detail really opened my eyes to. And that, that's kind of why I've been like, it's a big investigation. It's going to take some time before we start hearing things, because once we do, the amount of work that's been done is it's hard to even fathom. So. I think that I think we're uh, headed in the right direction. And I, I, I like you look forward to some good justice news we've been, we've been thirsty for it for about five years. So, <laughs> so thank you. And, um, uh, you know, hopefully we can have you back sometime soon and, uh, everybody until tomorrow, I'll be back on the beans with you. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. I've been a G
1: and I'm Pete struck. media.